because this message has the gospel message in it, the truth in it. What, one of the most important messages that we all need to hear and the most important message that we, the church, need to take to the world. They need to hear this message. So as I thought this morning, I thought the devil tried to keep this from going, well, we're going to put it out again, and it's going to go. We may be few in numbers, but we may be speaking to hundreds or even thousands Amen. via the Internet. Praise the Lord for that opportunity. His Word does need to go forth, no matter how many is here among us. And so I welcome those that are going to be watching uh, on the other parts of the world or even in our own neighborhood. Welcome this morning into our home. Into God's house, I should say. Not our, our home, because God welcomes us here, right? Alright, so the scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 27. It is quite a long reading, but it's a wonderful passage. King of the curse. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. Jesus did respond to the governor. He said, it is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priest and the elders, he answered nothing. So he spoke to the governor, said, it is as you say, but he said nothing before his accusers. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him, not a word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone's accusing me of something that I didn't do and I'm innocent, chances are I'm not going to stand there and be silent. <laughs> I'm going to defend myself. I don't know about you. I don't, if you're going to be honest, are you going to defend yourself? Or are you going to stand there and be quiet and take it? I'm probably going to defend myself. That's why the governor marveled. He marveled greatly. He's probably thinking, man, I've never seen anything like this. He is saying nothing to defend himself. I'd been marveled, would have been marveled too. Amen. Now at the feast of the governor, at the feast of the governor, the custom was to release to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Barabbas had led a rebellion against the government. He was a thief and he was a murderer. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, which of, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more saying, let him be crucified. They could not answer to the evil that he had done because he had done no evil. They had all witnessed the things, that the, the miracles and the teachings of Jesus. He had done not one evil deed his entire life. So they could not answer when he said, what evil has he done? When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, 
but rather that the atonement was, atonement was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just, man, just person. You see to it. Then he released, <clears throat> oh no, and all the children answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. My friends, the reed, what does the reed symbolize? The scepter. Yeah, the reed is the scepter. So they put a robe on him, a crown of thorns on him, and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him, took the reed, and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. May God add his blessings to the hearing and the reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your amazing love. Father, we thank you that you allowed your Son, Jesus Christ, to come and suffer and be tortured, Lord God, at the hands of man. We thank you that you allowed him to do that. Father, we thank you that through what Jesus did on Calvary that we can find forgiveness of our sins, that we can find the remission of our sins. Father, we just glorify you. We thank you for your presence and your Holy Spirit. We know that your Spirit is upon us today and every day, Father. Continue to walk with us, guide us and direct us, and may your word be proclaimed today. Lord God, may the, may the heavens rejoice, Father, as your word is proclaimed. And may it go over the airways and reach hundreds and even thousands, Father, with the good news of your message. We thank you and give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' trial, he who will judge the nations stands here to be judged by man. He who is life expects the sentence of death. The eternal, world, eternal word keeps silent. He defends not himself. No, Jesus could have said right then and there, standing before Pilate, it is finished. I'm done. He could have called down legions of angels and just wiped them all out and said, it is finished. I'm not going to go through with this. But he did not. He, he was silent before them. In Jesus' day, any death sentence had to be approved by the Roman governor over each district or region. Pontius Pilate was the governor over the region of Judea where Jerusalem was located. Pilate's relationship with the Jews in them days had been a stormy one. He had always been a very firm and tough leader and used his authority strictly over them. And all this led to a lot of chaos, a lot of riots, a lot of rebellions against the authority in that time. So imagine when the crowd showed up at Pilate's door demanding that Jesus be put to death. You know, at that moment, if you could know what Pilate was thinking, you'd probably, he probably thought, I wish somebody else was in charge of these people. I mean, think about it. Always something. Always having to deal with something. And at that moment, he probably thought, oh, let my assistant go take care of this. 
but he did. He took care of it. You know, Pilate knew about Jesus. They had centurions throughout the city. They'd heard the message that he brought to the people. I'm sure they saw some of the miracles that he performed. And we know that they took this information back to Pilate. So he had heard about Jesus. He knew that he was an innocent man. He knew that he did nothing deserving of death. He tried to declare his innocence three times. Yet that vindictive mob kept on accusing Jesus. Did a little research on Pilate. And there's no shortage of theories as to what happened to Pilate after the crucifixion of Jesus. Some believe that his life was filled with upheaval and calamity that drove him to the point where he committed suicide. There's others that claim that Pilate may have even become a Christian. But one thing I know for sure, that this event had to impact his life. It had to be a great impact upon his life because he knew that Jesus Christ was innocent. He identified him as an innocent man. You know, he may have been tormented by what had happened that day. But one thing I know for sure, that if, Jesus, that if Pilate did repent of his sins and believe on Jesus Christ, he, like every other person in the world in all of history, that believes in Jesus and repents, would have been forgiven. Amen. I don't know if he did. I pray that he did. But I know that Jesus would have forgiven him. Because I know that as Jesus hung on that cross, what did He say? Even those that nailed Him to the cross, He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He forgave the ones that drove the nails into His hands and feet. Isaiah 53.7 says, He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. When the religious leaders arrested Jesus, they accused him of blasphemy, claiming to be God. But they knew that this accusation would mean nothing to the Romans. So they changed their accusation to him claiming to be king. The truth is, he is king. Amen. He always has been king, and he always will be king. And yes, He is king over the Jews. He's king over the Romans. He's king over the angels. He's king over the devils. He's king over heaven. And He's king over the earth. And He's king over hell. Amen. He is king. Amen? He allowed Himself to be judged by man. This king allowed Himself to be judged by man. For He knew that His kingdom was not of this world. Though the day, my friends, will come when He will judge instead of being judged. He will judge. There is coming a day. In John 18.36, Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. He has a kingdom. Verse 25 is absolutely astounding. They said that this man's blood, let this man's blood be on us and also on our children. The leaders, the religious leaders said, let this man's blood be on us and on our children. They're saying, let the guilt of putting this man to death, if there be any, 
be on us and our children. We will be answerable for it. And we will consent to bear the punishment for it. It's remarkable. The writers say among the Athenians, if anyone accused another of a capital crime, he devoted himself and their children to the same punishment, the same punishment if the accused is afterward found innocent. So if they accuse someone of murder, then after they put him to death, they was found that he was innocent, they would be put to death. They got the sentence of the, the one they accused. So in the conduct of the parents, the conduct of the parents involved the children. The consequences involved the children. You know, less than 40 years after Christ's ascension, their city, the temple, was overthrown and destroyed. More than a million people perished in the siege of Jerusalem. Thousands died by famine. Thousands died by disease. Thousands by the sword. It says that their, Josephus says that their blood ran down the streets like water. He said the blood extinguished many things that were burning in the city. Thousands were crucified, suffering the same punishment that they had inflicted upon the Messiah. Their children were suffering the same punishment that their fathers had inflicted upon Jesus. Do you think anybody during that time remembered the words of the religious leaders? Let His blood be on us and our children. They may have. They may have. To this day, the nation of Israel is afflicted in many ways. Could it still be because of the let His blood be on our hands? Let it be on our children? I know they are still a blessed people, but many of them are still scattered throughout the world. And they have suffered much over the years. But yet they persevere. Now getting to my main point. <clears throat> when you think of a crown, what do you think of in your mind? What does it symbolize in your mind? From the book of Mysteries, it says a crown represents royalty. It represents power over people. It represents kingship. Usually, it is attributed to great wealth. It represents glory. Crowns, though, were normally made of what? Gold. Fine gold. Precious jewels. Most crowns that they would crown a king would be gold and precious jewels. Have you ever wondered why Jesus' crown was made of thorns? The answer is found in the Old Testament. When man fell, so when man sinned in the garden, there was more than one consequence to the fall. Not only did the sin bring death, it also brought a curse upon the earth and man. Genesis 3, 17-19 through 19 says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. 
and the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Thorns, friends, is a consequence of sin. And we have been dealing with them from that day, have we not? They are a consequence of sin. But thorns are also a sign of the curse. So they are a symbol of the curse. Thorns are a symbol of the curse that was placed upon the earth and upon man. I have a quote from Jonathan Cain in the book of Mysteries. It says, Now when a crown is placed on a man's head, he becomes king. At the very moment, the very moment that a crown is placed on his head, the weight of the kingdom rests upon that man. So what is the mystery of the crown of thorns that was placed upon the head of Jesus? What does the crown, what does the thorns represent? The curse. The thorns represent the curse. The crown was a crown of thorns. So the curse was placed upon His head. That represents that He owned it. He took ownership of the curse. Thorns and thistles bring pain. If you were to fall into or have have to work with a thorny plant, you're going to experience a lot of pain, aren't you? Pain and suffering. You know, I remember a time I was a young teenager. We were sled riding. Seems like back in those days, looking out at this snow, we had a lot of snow. Seems like we would get snow back in the 70s and we'd have snow all winter long. And we had a lot of uh, awesome sled riding places down on the farm. And we were sled riding one day and I went down a hill and popped up over a little short hill right into a thorn bush. A big old, I mean long thorn, thorn bush. And I tell you, they inflict pain. It hurt. My fun ended when I had, ran in and encountered that thorn bush. Thorns are linked to the curse. They are linked to death. Isaiah 53 3 through 6 and 10 through 11 says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He has laid on Him the curse that we deserve. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He has put Him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sins, I'm going to pause there for a minute. That says, when you make his, off, make his soul an offering for sin. It did not say when we make his soul an offering for sin. It does not say when they make his soul an offering for sin. But we, friends, it makes it personal. Or when you, when you personally make his soul an offering for sin, He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. 
He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. What's that saying? That he there is God. When God sees the labor of his soul, meaning Jesus, it and shall be satisfied. Jesus took our place. God sees the labor of what Jesus has done. And the penalty for sin is satisfied. By His knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for He shall bear their iniquities. Hallelujah. My friends, that is the Gospel message. God sees us through the work of Christ. Christ took it all. He took ownership. Most of us have probably underestimated the importance of that crown. We may not have realized what the crown represents. Not only does it represent pain, suffering, tears, separation, sorrow, death, but it represents the curse. So when that crown was placed on his head, every effect of that curse, every effect that the curse placed upon the earth because of sin was placed upon Jesus Christ. He took complete ownership of it. Most importantly, we need to remember that He is King. He is King. He was King. And He has authority. What does all this mean? He has authority. He has authority over the curse. He defeated the curse. He defeated death. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-8 Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scripture, and that He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, but then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, and by one born out of due time. One verse from this passage, the passage that I read from Isaiah said, He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. That is the good news, friends, for us. Because God looks upon those who believe in Jesus Christ, or when He looks upon those who believe in Jesus, He sees the labor of Jesus' soul. And we can proclaim. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, but the strength of sin is the law. Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. No more curse, my friends. We have no more curse when we believe on Jesus Christ. It is completely removed. Do not let the devil trick you into believing 
that you are still a sinner because when you believe on Christ, when you repent of your sin, He took complete ownership of it. It is no longer yours. Let it go. Tell that old devil to get behind you because you are sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. He bore that curse upon Himself. He bore that crown for our sakes. We have to fully understand that when God looks at us, He sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And our sins are washed away as white as that snow is outside in that field. Pure, cleaner. We are set free. My friends, don't own it. Don't own it any longer. Let Him have it. He has already paid the price. Give it to Him and let go. Be set free. Walk in that newness, the newness that Christ gave to us the day He died upon that cross. Once and for all, those past, those today, and those yet to come, He has set us all free. Amen? Amen. Amen.